0: night is the uh, full the new moon dark moon February quinquagesima, tomorrow is the Chinese New Year's and the day we reaffirm resolve our sila commitments the party mocha that Ten precepts, eight precepts, and this this morning the lay people, the Thai people came and uh, took the five precepts, offered the sangatana, so that this is life of a samana, a person living the holy life, where one is say this the these very lovely occurrences. This evening, Venerable Subhita chanted the magnificent Padimokha and (laughs) all this very kind of inspiring to see Bhikkhu Sangha uh, developing Uh, because Venerable Subhito is was, it was not a try, it was, it was uh, ordained here in England. He's a son of the soil, as far as bhikkhus go, even though he's from New Zealand. <laughs> And this just the, the like the re, reaffirming our commitment to just banandi Varamani. that's uh, that I don't know I find that first rule that first precept something that is truly beautiful human beings say really taking that on in in, in a kind of obvious way, refraining from harming other creatures so that is even though you know we None of us are maybe are prone to murder or or physical violence, particularly as who not is a wanting to do that or inclined toward that anyway. But yet it's very important to recognize the significance of that first precept, "Bana Dibanta Werame Ni," It's a precept for non-violence for ahimsa to. To either, to make it clear in our mind, this is our intention for our life now. To not harm, not intentionally harm others. Then the, we can we can lift these eight precepts from a kind of just a coarse level of interpretation to a finer level, like the the adinadana to respect the property of others. To to not, not uh, rather than saying refrain from stealing, they regarded as respecting that which belongs to other beings, not to disturb or misuse or anything of the property or material things or that which belongs to others. As a way of making that uh, something very definite in our consciousness, a brahmacharya vow of Celibacy—a time where there's so much concern. You read the newspapers; everybody's concerned with with AIDS and these kind of venereal diseases, and and the the whole total misuse of sexuality that has taken place over the past few decades, where people have just uh, been totally irresponsible and uh, just seeking pleasure from sexual. Uh, activities uh, without regard to the consequences. So we have moral dilemmas about abortion, and and uh, and then the uh, various diseases and problems that arise, and how to how to solve these problems. How to what should we do? And trying to promote the use of condoms and all kinds of uh, prophylactic measures to be able to still do everything you want without having to restrain yourself or pills and all that so, so that you to prevent pregnancy and and so and uh, so that one won't have to have an abortion or have a baby but really when we consider our life as human beings it's more skillful isn't it this is a more skillful way to live Uh, where we're we're not uh, going to, say, we're refraining from intentional sexual activities, (coughs) where we're taking on the responsibility for our existence and not not going to involve others or uh, even exploit our own bodies for that kind of pleasure. So a brahmacharya is a is a rather ennobling uh, precept, it lifts us up. I we to us is not concerned about the we're not uh, involved with all the controversies and the inevitable problems that arise out of say the present time when people don't know what to do about it what is most, never even mentioned is any kind of moral uh, position at all. <laughs> it almost seems to be something you just don't mention in any way about it's uh, like celibacy is, is never even considered as a possible way of life. And yet, I mean, understandably, for worldly people they are living in materialist society that it, it does. It's, it is an impossible uh, expectation of anyone, but it is possible for those interested in the holy life. That it is, it is the, the potential and possibility of our, in our human existence to be celibate, to be chaste, to not say, to be responsible, to be responsible and to not misuse or exploit sexuality and refrain from it, developing the 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 meditation, the holy life and the restraint necessary for realization of truth. So that's very inspiring to see people, young people and uh, healthy people, and all that who are willing to say, give up those pleasures. And those are very pleasurable, isn't it? Sexual uh, Sexuality is extremely pleasurable. And uh, those, this the, the uh, endless kind of entertainments and sensual delights that, that are just outside there, just in London, just waiting. <laughs> Temptiness. <clears throat> and yet to place one's, say, one's one's uh goal above all that is something to that I certainly respect enormously and and uh, encourage and it's not anything the government can employ i mean it would be wrong for Mrs. Thatcher to say everybody has to be celibate <laughs> I mean, it caused quite an interesting reaction <laughs> but uh. Because uh, celibacy is something one has to take on for oneself. It's not. It's not something that that can be forced on. It, it becomes. A, it is not chastity anymore. It's a tyranny, if it's forced on somebody. That it has to be something we choose, something we want to do, something we rise up to, each individual being, not, not out of it being imposed on us. So you don't want to go back to some kind of puritanical position of thou shalt not, and the, you'll spend the next uh, 84,000 eons in fiery hells burning in absolute pain for any kind of sexual enjoyment whatsoever <laughs> uh, bring, to bring fear and, and, uh, uh, into, into one's mind. That so we're, not, we're not trying to intimidate or frighten but to encourage what is noble, what is, what is beautiful in in our humanity, to encourage people to rise up to it. Now, during this retreat, there's the whole emphasis of this retreat, trying to, to present you with an occasion for you to rise up, to, to practice, to develop, to, to use your own effort, to to uh, use your own noble, nobility, to practice rather than than trying to, they kind of push you and, and compel you and punish you if you don't obey or not. That is, I see that is not a very skillful way. That is not the way of the holy life. Is it? It's a way for a kind of military training. But when you're living the holy life, then one can assume that you are capable of motivating yourself, that you can, and if you're not, if you can't do it, then we give you the opportunity to do it. Because sometimes you, you have a, people can have very low opinions of themselves, which are not really true at all. It's just they've may- maybe never had an opportunity or never felt that anyone trusted them enough or loved them enough to be able to do that. <coughs> We're trying to bring into our community, into our monastic life, that kind of value, that kind of beauty, so that monasticism is something that is, 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 is a be- beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, beautiful in the end, <laughs> and not a kind of imposed tyranny or uh, a, a, a forced march. At this time, we feel that the community is mature enough for that. One doesn't think of any of you as being someone one has to kind of, kind of push and always kind of check up on and drive. But you're quite you know, capable of disciplining yourself and developing your practice. Because that's the that's what needs to be done in, in our lives, is to take on that responsibility for ourselves rather than, than kind of turning it over to somebody else, expecting somebody else to come along and, and enlighten us or love us or drive us or scold us or punish us or something or other in that way. We, we are... Say, Recognizing the the spiritual potential of each one, each being here, which we we have that marvelous ability to rise up to things rather than to sink down. Now, rising up doesn't mean isn't a kind of willful, force thing, is it? It's it's being able to to go beyond, say, just a, the inertia or the uh, habit tendencies of one's, one's life toward, uh, say, something higher, something better. Learning how to, to just pay attention to your breath or to be able to sit straighter or longer or be more patient, be more forgiving, be more kindly, more with yourselves, with others, all of this is is an effort is the effort of rising up meeting the occasion it doesn't always mean it doesn't mean in the sense of always having to succeed or or prove yourself but the rising up to meet a situation in, in a in a generous kind wholesome skillful way with mindfulness and wisdom more and more we we see that as possible possibility for us rather than the just being caught in the force of habit and lost in in our realm of of delusion. With the speech, Mutsawada. We've been talking a lot about how the Buddha used language and how that we if we start reflecting in that way, it's it it affects how we, we see things. The I am suffering poor me kind of attitude just makes as easily we fall back into the whole pattern of perceptions that arise from I am, this is me and mine, poor me and all the rest of the the whole the whole proliferation from that position. How easy it is to just get caught in that in that view. So that the skill more skillful way of there is suffering and, there is anger, there is greed, there is delusion, there is in a community, say, the noble silence and the willingness to learn how to communicate and try to, to uh, have a way of speaking that is clear and honest but not demanding or, or uh, delusi- uh, deluding in any way. And then in a society we live in where one tries to be clever with one's speech and, and witty and and, uh, and droll and uh, one uh, speech habits can be, w- with an intelligent mind, can develop uh, various kinds of speech that can be quite cruel and quite unskillful, even though it's very clever or very funny. And we give that up to to try to use speech, so it is something uh, beautiful and clear, and not giving forth wrong uh, views or messages to others. To refrain from using speech to to insult or harm or curse. And so, so this Mutsavada is is not just uh, not uh, not telling lies, but it's the intention to take on the responsibility for speaking. because we're speaking creatures, aren't we? We have this miraculous, a marvelous ability to communicate through words and sound. Just listening to the venerable Subhito chant Parimoga as I was following in, the, in my book, Padimoka. I thought, how oh, what a wonderful thing this is that somebody can memorize the whole Padimoka in exactly the way it's written in a book. It's quite quite a marvellous thing when you think of it. And uh, the ability to, to make sounds and to to pronounce consonants and and to develop vowels and long and short and the whole that whole function of our humanity is quite a, a, a miracle when you contemplate it. And yet it, we just take it for granted. We can use our speech for telling dirty jokes, cursing and swearing and gossiping and insulting and, and using it for all kinds of mean and, and, uh, and horrible and dishonest things. Or we can respect this rather marvelous gift we have and learn how to use it in, in a way that it is beautiful and accurate and kindly. Then with Suramay uh, Raya. Think how fortunate we are, we don't have to drink and take drugs and, and uh, shoot up heroin. Mm-hmm. Kind of <laughs> That's a whole kind of preta loka, isn't it, now? The drug problem in, in the world countries like this uh, the states and so on there's tremendous concern over drug addiction it seems to be so common now Uh, it affects all levels of the society men and women children all races all classes are being caught in the grip of these drugs addictive drugs alcohol cigarettes things that just are you know, really harmful and deluding to the human mind. So, when we when we become um, clouded with drugs and drink, then we then our speech is no longer. We can't be responsible for what we say, can we? I remember when I used to drink, used to drink, so I didn't have to be responsible for what I said, <laughs> or for a sexual conduct. Didn't, you lost your sense of, uh, of timidity and shame. We <laughs> have a few drinks or a, or a, a, a fag, and uh, suddenly a lot of inhibitions just dropped away. And then, not to mention uh, Adina Dana and even Baladi were not. I it mean, wasn't into murdering people, but I certainly had no hesitation about getting rid of annoying insects and other things that I didn't like. One could see under drugs and drink and all that how easily one could just, one sense of moral propriety and commitment could just easily disappear. So now you find young people just prostituting themselves to get money to buy these you know, even like people twelve years old, thirteen years old, children, what we used to call children, or no. now uh, <laughs> evolved in the most horrendous kind of degenerate degrading uh, activities through just not 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 even no one ever mentioned Surah much of tatana to them. Then the, the 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 renunciate ones, vikalpojina, naja Nanjakita watita, and ujjhayaana. Ways of restraining, simplifying life. Not uh, say, the for human beings, isn't it? But eating and dancing, singing, games, movies, TV shows. Uh, athletic games, and a whole lot. Uh, just, uh, there's so much fun available to us at this time, isn't it? Just entertainments and and uh, truly pleasurable things to do in that whole realm of entertainment and pleasure-seeking. is covered in Najakita, that whole lengthy bit. And then Ujjāsayanā, Mahāsayanā, and sleep have... Uh, you know, spend a lot of time in, in uh, just sleeping in great comfort and warmth, and the pleasures of comfort, sleep, uh, fun, games, excitements, shows, and entertainments, and eating. Now these aren't immoral, are they? Not saying that, that eating a dinner is an immoral activity, or dancing and singing, or having an absolutely fantastic bed that is so comfortable and high and marvelous, nothing immoral about it, but restraining or renouncing extreme comforts and opportunities for distracting ourselves through these sensory pleasures. We're we trying to uh, restrain and refrain from that so that we can observe. We can reflect. These are standards and precepts for reflection, for contemplation. They're criterions. They're not rules from God. They're not the thou shalt not position, are they? They're not that. They're not the thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not that. They are, each one of them say, I will, I intend to refrain from intentionally doing this. It's, it's a resolution. it's a it's a a precept that you you're taking on, not something that that God is imposing on you with, with, that if you don't do this, you're going to be punished. So that as you rise up to these precepts, you're taking you're you're developing that you're making that that re- resolution in order to have that in your mind to to use when you're tempted to, to uh, say, indulge in the force of habit, impulses that one might be experiencing. Because most of us well, come from backgrounds which were, were, were quite indulgent, and, and uh, where we were n- never really encouraged to refrain or restrain ourselves, but encouraged to indulge. So, sīla is is a is a, a is a is a is an honourable and lovely opportunity we have as human beings. We can we choose to be moral. We're not we're not being moral because we're afraid of being immoral, but we choose and to do this, and we we rise up to it. That, that which is noble, that which is good, developing those qualities. That which is kind, that which is generous. During this retreat, I'm trying to to instill in your minds the suggestions of of practice and ways of looking at things. Because they, it's so easy to form opinions about practice and to think you understand what I'm saying because you you have an opinion about it. So they they. Are, Admittedly, that the world, worldly attractions are still strong, and and uh, this is, you know, what, in my reflections, it isn't even to condemn them, not to kind of have a, a negative attitude towards even the 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 worldly life. Not against anything, or, or, or uh, trying to to kind of raise monasticism up as, a, as a something that everybody should be doing. One can live a, a very good, wholesome, worldly life too. It's not just the prerogative of, of monks and nuns, is it? So that the this is is not uh, Sometimes lay people hear me think I'm a kind of uh, mon- monk fanatic <coughs> because of my because I emphasise the the value of this way of living. But the uh, the attitude is one of a reflective mind rather than a mind that has a, a some an axe to grind or a position to take on anything you develop that that reflexive ability of your mind and the particular conventions we find ourselves in are 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 developed around that that's what the buddha was, was teaching is about, the whole whole convention of Vinaya and the Dhamma teachings are to help in that way. So some people will say, well, you can do it, you know, you can do it as a lay person or you can, you know, it's not not to deny that, but but also uh, if you can't use the the lifestyle that is that is particular. That is conducive towards that. What makes you think you able ever do it in any other form? And this is the what you really what want to get you to look at is as that which wants something you don't have, or wants to get away from what you have. To so be able to just watch that, see that in yourself, that restlessness, discontentment. Uh, movement of your mind, because once you do that, and then of course it is very. Sometimes one doesn't want to give up yet. One still wants rebirths and happiness and worldly things. They're enough, mm. but don't. But I don't want you to go around thinking, say, lying to yourself, thinking. Uh, you know, if you want to have rebirths and worldly things and and happinesses and and uh, follow your own ways and all that, that's that's you're free to do that. It's your decision. But to to not uh, put, just delude yourself by thinking that you're doing something else, because the the uh, if, if you really understand the teaching of the Buddha, then there's nowhere to go, nothing to do. Just, this is the way it is, living a, a life that is, uh, say, uh, for that kind of reflection. Conditions change, of course, if suddenly we find uh, ourselves being uh, persecuted, and nobody bringing food, and, and no robes to wear, and so forth, then we have to think about going someplace else. Just, but as long as uh, things are going along all right, then you can observe that desire to go somewhere else, or be somewhere else. There's that uh, movement of your mind to see that and recognize it for what it is. Whether you do that or not, it's still up to you. Isn't it? <laughs> when we... death, the word death, is dying to yourself. It's dying to the moment, the ending, the cessation. sense of the ending, allowing yourself to die in the moment. What is that? Cessation, the ending. So this is, this is to, we encourage to investigate. The arising, the ceasing, This way of looking and observing how things are, in all everything fits into that pattern, doesn't it? Everything that arises ceases, so that say, in in our life, it's just the the day-to-day mundane ordinariness of our lives that we are are reflecting on. Since we can't dance and sing and go to shows go to the pub go to the football game uh, go to restaurants and and uh, all these uh, pleasures of the world since we can't distract ourselves so easily then we then the ordinariness of our life becomes more significant, doesn't it? If you if you're used to a high level of excitement, thrills and excitement, then ordinary things are just boring and unnoticed and rejected. One is always aiming at some new thrill, some new excite, exciting activity or experience. The monasticism is 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 a, is a boring lifestyle. And it's it's just a, a routine, doing the same thing of uh, doing the, the the getting up in the morning, putting on the robes, and onward to going to bed at night. We're not aiming at having exciting things to do or distractions. Because we our way is to is to meditate to to be aware of the way things are as, it, as just in ordinary living, in breathing, consciousness, feeling, so that the the ordinariness of our lives is is realized and we're no longer trying to find and follow the extraordinary anymore, the extremes. It's only through calming down and through through restraint and not following restlessness and, and uh, being caught up in emotions and so forth that we have a chance to realize the unconditioned, it's only when we can, we can let go and calm down and reflect that we that there's the realization of the ending of the conditioned realm, of, end of that which arises ceases of the realization of nibbana. There's no way you can can realize nibbana by striving and trying to attain and achieve and and be caught up in the arising side, without. Letting go of that, the realization of letting go of the samudaya, or the arising, and to witness the cessation of the, that which has arisen. And the true peace that one realizes through allowing things to be as they are, letting that which arises ceases. No longer are we somebody who has to get somewhere do something get rid of something change something. When we're when we're caught in the in the distracting ourselves with pleasures and all that then we're somebody I'm somebody that has to find happiness or have success or become something. And no matter what no matter how much excitement pleasures I might experience I have to have more than that. They're never, they're never content with even with, with, with the excitements and the adventures of life. They don't content us. They just make us uh, caught in that movement of having to have more and more. Until you get kind of burnt out, and then you then you go to the opposite extreme where you just break down or, or uh, just crash out or just fall asleep, get drugged, drunk, so that you can just not exist because you, you, you're, you're tired and worn out from all the excitement and thrills and pleasures and stimulation. You can only have so much excitement and then it gets, you can't bear it anymore. Have to be excited continuously. That's a that's a hell realm, isn't it? Where there's just nothing but excitement one moment after another. Imagine what that would be like. You see. Like this all the time, a state of continuous excitement. <laughs> another thing on in in the, my sister's home in California, they have Americans have these uh, all these television stations and. Cable thing, so where you can sit and you can just have some like 70 or so, to yeah. <laughs> and you can just, people get in the habit of just switching channels. It's anything that's slightly boring or slightly uninteresting or unpleasant, they just switch on to the next one, and then there's always a gunfight or a chorus line or something to kind of <laughs> zap you, and then <laughs> and it's kind of continuously getting excited. By these, uh, by these images on a screen. And it's the kind of hell realm, really. It's, it's really uh, unpleasant to, to have a mind that just has to be stimulated one moment after another. So you see the beauty and the, 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 the loveliness of a life that is based on composure and moral restraint and, and nobility and goodness then generosity, kindness, uh, concentrating the mind, composing the mind, reflecting on Dhamma. This is a really wonderful thing to be able to do, to have that kind of opportunity, that kind of encouragement, to contemplate your own existence, contemplate life, and to train yourself in, in a way that, is, that you can respect and respect yourself and move toward being content and joyful being rather than a hungry, obsessed one. This evening we have the all night sitting and uh, so you have opportunity this evening to be content the whole night. I think I'll not say any (laughs) more this evening.